Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and welcome back to another week of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today, what we're going to be discussing is how to build influence and overcome adversity. We have Jeremy Knopf on the line with us today. Uh, what he's going to really do is explain how he was able to rebuild his career after he went through a health crisis that almost killed him. And he really did this by doing some of the things that are very similar to what I did, like develop influence, build a powerful brand, get some name recognition, and be seen as an expert. And he also shares, he's also going to be sharing a lot of the challenges uh, that he faced when he was younger, you know, like the voluntary ones that you kind of step yourself into and the involuntary ones that kind of just come your way. And what I wanted to do right now is just have uh, Jeremy just really take a moment to introduce himself so you can get to know more about him. Uh, Jeremy, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Leonard. Um, so, in a nutshell, uh, I am. In the search industry, I run a digital marketing agency here called Spartan Media. Um, I've been doing this for probably close to 20 years now. And prior to that, I uh, served in the United States Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, I've kind of overcome a lot of different things over the years, and I think that's all culminated to lead me to where I am today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people, they go through various experiences in life. And I think one of the biggest shifts that you just talked about is like moving from that Marine Corps lifestyle into like going into the SEO world, which is search engine optimization. Like what made you want to make that kind of shift? Because not everyone just goes, oh, I'm going to get out of the military and go work in marketing. It's like that's something <laughs> that clicks in a lot of people's heads. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it was a complete completely different culture. Um, you know, in, in the Marine Corps, obviously everything is very structured and regimented. Um, in marketing, it's a lot more flexible and dynamic. Uh, but there's a lot of similarities as well, right? So like to be great at marketing, you have to kind of push outside of your comfort zone. You have to find new ways to do things. And a lot of those kind of situations pop up in the Marine Corps often as well. Um, so it wasn't completely different in that regard. I kind of stumbled into this industry on accident. Um, I, I got involved when people still thought that the internet was a fad, like this was going to be a thing that happened for a little bit and then it was just going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I got out of the Marine Corps in, uh, in 99 and pretty mm. much jumped into digital marketing almost immediately. Um, actually that, that was how I crashed my first business. I, I started a web design firm, uh, in a tiny little place called Spring Hill, Florida. Uh, it's about an hour from Tampa. So imagine in the very beginning of the internet days, starting a web design company in a place where, you know, it's a tiny population, not super tech oriented. So you can imagine that didn't go very well. So on January 1, 2000, when that uh, clock shifted over and everyone had to shut off their computers, yours blew up. <laughs> yes, yes, there you go, something like that. 
you know, but the good thing about it was I, I did learn a lot about that, uh, you know, about business, about life, about the industry that I don't think I could have learned had I not gone through that process. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't look at it as completely a loss. So that was good. You know, it was a good experience, uh, as painful as it may have been, both financially and emotionally. But what kind you know, of drove you that, to that? Like, what, what, attracted, what attracted you to the Internet? Like, was it, like, hobbies? Was it because you were chatting on AIM or AOL? Or, like, what attracted you to the uh, working in the Internet, on the Internet, to do design? You know, so I was always, you know, I was always artistic to begin with as a child. I loved drawing. I loved art. So, you know, the marketing field kind of appealed to me to begin with. And mm-hmm. then as the Internet started to kind of become a thing... Um, and back then, it was, you know, your dial-up modems and, you know, like you're saying, AOL and AIM and MSN Messenger and all these antiquated things that probably half the audience has never heard of. Um, it, just, it just seemed like an entirely new realm of possibilities and all of these things that would completely change how business was conducted. So it seemed really exciting. Um, and it obviously turned out to be exactly that. Like, the things that have taken place in the last few decades... Um, I don't think anybody could have imagined them, you know, outside of maybe a science fiction writer, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, right. I mean, that was what drew me into that. I just, I found it to be like an entirely new world and, you know, possibilities were basically endless. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, so after after the company had crashed and, you know, I pretty much lost everything I had. I ended up uh, working at a couple of different places, ad agencies, uh, a software company, and just kind of building myself back up, getting ready to, you know, roll out again. And, you know, along the way, I taught myself a lot about various digital marketing aspects, right? And one of the clients, or one of the, actually one of my employers at the time, uh, they were in the, the betting industry, and they were kind of on the verge of bankruptcy. I actually met them initially while I was an employee of an ad agency. And Mm -hmm. they went through some problems. They were about to crash. Um, They had actually closed down their offices, pulled everything into their house. They're operating this business out of their house. All of the partners had left. It was, you know, basically just one person and his wife. And uh, so I went through and looked at the website, and it was horrible. You know, the whole thing at the time was built in Flash, which... As most people know nowadays, that's terrible for SEO, right? So I went in there, you know, we redesigned the site, created all kinds of content, you know, reworked their, you know, what we now call, you know, funnels. Uh, None of that stuff really existed. We we basically revamped all of their marketing. And, uh, you know, I have to give a a shout out to a guy, Morgan Carey. Uh, You may be familiar with him runs a uh, company now called Real Estate Webmasters. But back in the day, he ran a forum called uh, SEO Guy, which is where I actually Mm -hmm. started learning SEO. And uh, that was how I got my foundation, ramped up really quickly from there, ended up taking this company from being on the verge of bankruptcy to ending up doing, I think it was $54 million in sales within a few years. That was partially because of a deal that they ended up landing with a very large hotel chain, but none of that would have happened if we hadn't redesigned it, you know, got them ranking for a ton of, a ton of phrases, 
and you know basically blew up their traffic, got them generating a ton of cash flow, and then they you know they went on and landed that deal from there. So that was kind of the uh, the icing on the cake, and and that made it clear to me that that was the industry that I belonged in. Nice. I mean, to go from having failure after failure, then going around from job to job to job and doing something like that, I mean, that's a pretty phenomenal feat. It didn't feel very phenomenal at the time, you know. Um, I think it's a natural <laughs> human reaction that when you, uh, when you face failure to, you know, to look at it as a, an indication of, you know, your value or, or what you're capable of. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people should be more conscious of in approaching it as a learning experience rather than a reflection on themselves. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I failed a lot. And then whenever I failed, I'm like, oh, I'm a failure. Not that that was a failure. And I kind of internalized it too. And it kind of hurt my self-esteem, made it a lot harder for me to go out there and try again. And yeah, I, I get it. It's really hard to really go out there and look at it just as an obstacle to overcome as opposed to just internalizing it. Yeah, Do you, you know, a good way to look on at that? it is... <laughs> I was saying a, a good way to look at it is look at it as, you know, that idea was bad, not I did something stupid. Yeah. But I think it gets hard, too, because, like, let's say uh, an idea is bad, but you go and try to execute it and it doesn't work. You still have the financial consequences that come with it. You still have the life consequences that come with it. You still have the sure. impact of everything else around it that kind of pushes you down, like, how do you kind of deal with all of that and make it just the event that you're having an issue with because now you have other factors to look at, like how am I going to go pay rent? How am I going to pay the electricity bill? How am I going to pay my phone? And How am I going to, if you have other family members, how am I going to take care of them? Right. So I come from a mindset of, like, whatever the situation is, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. You know, you, you have some big financial issue or some health issue or business just doesn't pan out, whatever it is, you have to find a way to, to compensate for that. It doesn't matter whether it's your fault. It doesn't matter whether it's someone else's fault. You just need to find a way to work around that. Um, you know, I'll give you a good example from when I was much younger. I was, uh, I was 16 years old when I moved out of my house, out of my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're legally not allowed to work very long at that age. I don't remember what the exact, I think it was like 20 hours a week is, is what's legal. So I had this part-time job that I worked probably right about 20 hours, which was the cap. And, um, I obviously that wasn't enough to, you know, to rent a room somewhere. So what I ended up doing was I took a second job off the, off the books and just kind of worked under the table mm -hmm. because like, that's what you have to do. I'm not, I'm not a fan of making excuses or, or justifying anything. You just, if you have something that you're trying to accomplish, you find a way to do it one way or the other. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, the first time you fail, it's pretty easy to dust yourself off and go again. The second time you fail, 
you start remembering the first time you fail, but you can still get up in a few days and go at it again. The third time you fail, it's a little bit different, you know? Then the fourth time, it gets a little harder. <laughs> then the fifth time, you're like, oh, I just want to freaking toss in the towel, just give, give up on this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, having, yeah, that, yeah. having that mindset, like, it's natural to kind of have that mindset where you don't want to get pushed down, where you don't want to get crushed. But, you know, life is life, and the more adversity you have, the more pushback you have, like, Sometimes you just get to that point where you're like, is it even like worth it to really try again? Is it worth it to go out there and push forward? Because you have everything pushing against you. And it's like, how do I find that energy to go up there and do it again? Well, I think that comes down to deciding what it is you're going after, right? You're, you, have to, you have to have a reason behind what you're doing. And that's where a lot of people really screw up. They're like, oh, well, I want to build this cool company because it will make me famous or it will make me rich. But if, you, if that's all that you have for your why, you're not going to do it. You're going to come up against adversity, and that adversity is going to be bigger than your why. So you're going to give up. Um, you have to find something that you're so passionate about that you, you know, eat, breathe, and sleep that. Well, that's another thing is a lot of people, there, if they say they want to be rich, they want to be rich because they experienced something in their life where they had a situation where they weren't able to afford something. They they have a memory or a recollection of that. Like, no one really just wakes up one morning and goes, hey, you know what? I just want to be rich. It's usually derived from another event, a tragic event that happened in their life where they're like, oh, my God, in that situation, I didn't have any money. But then for them to piece it together and put, oh, that's the reason why I want to make a lot of money, like a lot of people can't make that mental connection. So they really do have most of the time, most of the time, not all the time, have that little connection where uh, it is driven from a reason that's stronger than themselves, where it's their driving factor to even have that thought come across their mind, but they just don't know how to connect it back together. Exactly. And do you think it's important for them to derive, like, figure out why it is that they want to get rich and go through, like, some kind of process to figure out why they have that purpose, why they have that thought? Absolutely, because that's what's going to pull you through, you know, when you come to the hard times. It's just like, all right, so let's look at it from the perspective of the military, right? Mm -hmm. If you're out there on a patrol and, you know, you're carrying a whole bunch of weight and, you feel like, you know, giving up and, and sitting down and resting. Well, you, you can't do that because why? I feel like giving up and I haven't tried yet. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Well, all right. But, you know, yeah. you know, the guys down the road who you're going to, to support because they're in the middle of a firefight or something, yeah. they are depending on you. And if you don't get there in time, they'll die. Right. That's yeah. a pretty damn strong why. Yeah, so when you know exactly what your why is, it's going to pull you through. So if it's a financial why... Well, it's deeper than, well, I want to be rich. It's maybe it's, I want to take care of my family in the way that I wasn't taken care of when I was a kid. Or maybe it's, I want to, you know, feed a thousand homeless people this year. Or I want to, you know, help people get out of bad jobs that they hate. So I want to create this, you know, like entrepreneurial program or whatever it is. Like, that's a why. So that when you're going through a hard time, the reason is bigger than you. So it pulls you through. It helps to motivate you and keep you driven towards that goal. Awesome. Uh, well, let's hop off to a commercial break real fast, and we'll get more into this discussion a little bit further. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim. Uh, where can they find you, uh, Jeremy, online? Uh, you can find me online at uh, Jeremy Knopf at Twitter as well, or uh, Spartan Media is a, a great place to go as well. <laughs> 
Perfect. And we'll see you after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Jeremy Knopf. If you listen to the first part of the segment, what we really did is we discussed what it's like to really feel adversity and why you really need a why as a driving factor to get over what you're trying to uh, to help you overcome the obstacles that come your way, even if you're going to fail over and over and over and over again. Because that why, that reason that you have that you want to go out there and make a lot of money, it can't just be that reason that you want you can't just have that reason of, oh, I want to make a lot of money to be your driving factor because guess what? It's not strong enough to keep you going. Jeremy showed a great example where if you have the backpack on and you're going on a hike and everything and you have to bring supplies to your uh, other team members and if you don't, they'll end up dying. I mean, that's a why where you're like, okay, I got to do this no matter what. And you have to go out there and trek through the process and that's going to keep you going. But if you're wise, it's like, oh, I'm going to go make a lot of money because I want to be rich. It's not really going to move you that far. But if you're wise, like, oh, I got to make sure my family is always taken care of or you have a more um, deeper meaning behind it. That's going to push you even further than just a simple thought like um, I need to make a lot of money. Now, one of the things that Jeremy's been doing a lot is working in this SEO industry where he's been able to help take one uh, betting company from like um, almost bankrupt where all the partners bailed out. And now that one was able to really uh, do uh, how much money in business again? $56 million with it was, uh, I think it was $54 million, yeah. $54 million, yeah, that's a lot of money to really take that kind of <laughs> impact. And I, I think a lot of people here kind of like want to really understand like how that search engine world works like I mean it's really changed over the years where first you would like 
try to write the same keywords over and over and over in your copy. But as Google and the other companies just got more mature, like these old style tactics really don't work the same way. And search engines kind of evolved as time went by. Um, yeah. what, what do you think are the biggest shifts in the change for how SEO has like evolved from where it was before to where it is today? So the algorithm has advanced dramatically over, you know, over the past 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, content really is, is a huge factor, but it's not just, you know, just writing a bunch of pages about various keyword phrases. Like it's more about topics these days. So like, mm-hmm. for example, you don't necessarily need a page for red widgets and a page for red widget. Like you don't have to break it down to that level of granularity. The search engines can understand what something's about. In fact, they're at such a, an advanced level nowadays that you could have you could rank for a phrase that's not even on a page if the search engines understand that that's basically the same thing and that's what that page is about. So it's evolved that's a lot cool. in that regard. It, it really is, and and I think it's going to we're going to see it get even crazier as artificial intelligence starts to play a bigger role in in the search algorithms. Hmm. Um, but what they're looking at is they're looking ultimately at you know, what is the user looking for? So I'm not necessarily just searching for a phrase. I'm trying to solve a particular problem. So mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they're enabling me to solve that problem as quickly as, and efficiently as possible. Um, and that's really, you know, where, where voice search comes in, that's making it even more difficult for marketers because you don't have 10 blue links anymore. You've got one answer. So yeah. the search engine is going to return the one most relevant answer. Um, so yeah. things like that, it, it's, it's really changed the industry dramatically. And a lot of the, the what I would call shady tactics, um, like buying links or creating a bunch of garbage spam links, those tactics are, they can still work on a smaller scale, but they're mostly driven out of the picture at this point. The algorithms are pretty effective at, at identifying that kind of stuff. And yeah. while they won't necessarily penalize you for it anymore, they will devalue you for it. So hmm. it's basically just throwing money down a hole because it's not going to drive uh, you know, any kind of results. So I, I know like a long time ago, like what used to hold the most weight was like how many credible sites like link back to your um, yeah page that's of like still a, a huge factor or something so that's still a huge factor as long as it's a credible site right yeah it, it needs to be credible and it needs to be relevant yeah so you know if if i ran a you know say a website about construction products and mm-hmm. i got links from a nail salon that's not going to have any value However, if there was some general contractor who was linking back to that site saying, hey, like I buy all my products from these guys and they're the best, um, that would be an example of a relevant link. Hmm. Cool. So, so these link backs, uh, as long as they're legitimate within the same industry, then they're good links. Otherwise, any other types of links are bad. Generally, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got some exceptions, like, say, for example, you know, a major news organization writes an article about you, or, say, a trade organization writes an article about you in some way that, that, that's relevant, but it's not necessarily directly relevant to your, you know, to your website. Um, really, the, the way that I look at links nowadays is it's like a traditional PR approach. Really, it's, honestly, it's a lot of the same things that you talk about. It's, you know, 
the tactics that you take to become influential and kind of build your personal brand, those are the same kind of tactics that you can use nowadays to build links, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm building a relationship with a, another human being and providing value in some way that then motivates them to link back, that's generally going to be an example of a good link because it's going to be something that's going to, in most cases, drive organic traffic. It's going to be on a, a website that's like a trusted brand. It's somebody that people recognize and respect in some way, and it's probably going to be relevant. Whereas a lot of the old school tactics, you know, like blog comment spam or forum spam or, you know, guest blogging all over the place, things like that, those are really low value. But when you're going out and you're kind of building relationships and using a a traditional PR kind of approach, um, that's where you start to see results. You start to build links that matter and, and that will move the needle in terms of SEO. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. And um, one of the things that you really don't see is, like, for example, a betting company. You don't see that many companies or media outlets really going out there and featuring, like, a betting outlet or a bet- betting company, like, in the media outlet, like uh, Forbes or Inc. or an entrepreneur or anything like that. What you usually see is you see, like, people who really get featured, like, maybe the CEO, the CMO an executive mm-hmm. at the company really talking about things like that. So, I mean, if you want to go with this link-building strategy, probably one of the best ways to do it is um, incorporating on really building out your own personal influence. Uh, and that's something that Absolutely. me and Jeremy will probably be getting into in a little bit. But, like, like think about it. Like, let's say you're directly a PR agent or you're trying to get, like, coverage for your business and you're a betting company. And you send out, like, and uh, let's say it's a personalized email to like a thousand different writers or journalists or columnists. Like, how mm-hmm. many people would really be interested in you talking about that betting? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say probably none. You know, <laughs> even with a personalized need- email, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it really comes down to building a personal connection, and you know, it, it it's that it's that human aspect, right? Nobody really yeah. cares about a company, but they care about a, an interesting person who's got some kind of newsworthy story attached to them, and then by, by virtue of that, then they're interested in the company. But the company by itself will generally generate almost no interest. Yeah, let's say, for example, let's say Jeremy was running that betting company, and you heard that he used to be a Marine, and he went through all these failures, and then now he was running, let's just pretend, a successful betting company. Wouldn't that be like a more compelling story for you to like kind of write about? And you probably wouldn't have to send out like a thousand emails either just to get coverage, right? Right. I mean, if you've got a really compelling story, it makes it a lot easier to to pitch that idea to journalists or contributors. Um, and in fact, if you've got a very specific story, you can look for very specific contributors or journalists that that, that will apply to. So. You know, for example, if I wanted to reach out to somebody about my business, I could reach out to journalists who happen to be veterans. Like, there's an instant connection there. There's some kind of story. That we've got an angle. Um, I would reach out to other, you know, other journalists who maybe had a company in the past. Or, you know, I would find somebody who's gone through some kind of adversity. Like, there's so many different angles that you can use to sort of leverage that, that personal connection and then get them to appreciate your story. Like if you have an interesting story and you have a hook, an emotional hook to, to engage them immediately, your chances of 
success are dramatically improved. Yeah, one of the things that um, I, I'm writing about in my upcoming book, uh, Expose Yourself, is really how you have to get vulnerable and expose like your darkest weaknesses or flaws or vulnerabilities because that helps you connect with other people at a deeper level because, you know what, everyone basically failed at something or they tried something yeah. and weren't able to make it or they struggled. And like you mentioned before that you had like a – health crisis that nearly like put you out of business. Um, do you want to like touch upon that a little bit? Uh, sure. So I had a, uh, what we now think is an autoimmune condition, basically where your, your body attacks itself. Um, you know, for the first year of this process, I, I didn't even get off the couch. I was laying on the couch, not moving. You know, I could work for maybe a few minutes at a time here and there. So as you can imagine, I lost, I lost a good chunk of business as a result of that. Yeah. As the second year rolled around and, you know, we started to see some small improvements, I could kind of get up and move around the house again, but I still wasn't going out and, you know, meeting clients and doing things that would generate new business. Then as I kind of rolled into year three, I started networking again. I started going out after new business. I'm still going through all the, the symptoms, but I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. there. I'm in front of people. I'm, you know pitching clients, I'm, I'm meeting people, whether it be people in my industry or, or potential clients, whatever the case. Um, and, you know, I have to credit a lot of the, the awesome people in my life who have, you know, helped out to kind of get things back on track. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, just like you, I've done a lot of writing. I've done a lot of uh, contributing to various publications. And, you know, a lot, of my, a lot of my friends helped to make some of those things happen. So, I, you know, I've found that to be an incredibly valuable aspect of all of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, with having an autoimmune disease or having any kind of disability, I mean, it's really hard to, I mean, I can put myself in your shoes and see just how hard it is to really go out there. I mean, I had shingles for a two-week period, and that was just two weeks where I was just like, I feel like I'm being stabbed <laughs> every day. But if you're dealing with that year after year after year, I mean, that has to be extremely hard for anyone to do. And I, I know there's people out there who do who do feel like extreme pain or chronic pain like all the time. And they have mm-hmm. these big dreams, but then like they'll get like a migraine that'll stop them. They'll start feeling their leg hurt. They'll start experiencing some natural symptom of uh, whatever they're experiencing, like kind of like trying to force them back. Like how do people push forward with all that pain? Well, I mean, the way I look at it is you can either make excuses or you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously the, the pain levels have been astronomical and it, it goes up and down, but it, it's pretty consistently high. Um, you know, just for an example, I, I was in the hospital for something unrelated to that a while back and they gave me two doses of morphine. And while it took away the, uh, the pain from what I was in there for, it barely even took the edge off of, uh, you know, this other pain from whatever the auto, autoimmune condition is. Yeah. But I have, I have two choices, basically. I could sit down and, you know, feel sorry for myself and, you know, whine, or I could get out there and do what has to get done. And that's, that's just what has, what has to be done. I have to go out there. I have to do what I'm going to do. I have to build this company. I have to take care of my family, take care of my employees, and, you know, accomplish the goals that have to be accomplished. 
And by you going out there and sharing the story, do you feel that uh, being vulnerable and open about this, do you think it like hurts your business or do you think it helps your business? You know, I don't know that it's had an impact one way or the other. Uh-huh. Um, what I do think where it's been valuable is kind of showing other people who may be going through something similar that, yeah, you can do it. So, you know, don't sit around and, and wait for things to change. Just get out there and, and do what you want to do. So more, more so what you're really doing is you're motivating other people who are like, oh, I have all these small little struggles I'm dealing with because I can't afford my ice cream for the day. I can't afford lunch or something <laughs> simple like that. And you're like, hey, you know what? I got a real problem here. Like if you're going to want to do something, you're going to have to tough it out and just get through it. And people yeah. see it as inspirational and they take action. Absolutely. I mean, anything worth accomplishing, it, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. And it's probably going to be painful. So if you're in that position, then you're probably doing something worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, like, if you have an easy, breezy life, then chances are you probably aren't doing anything great. Like, one of the things that I really think about, like, uh, that I've been thinking about lately is, you know, I've probably been in a lot of situations where I could have almost died, you know, just doing stupid stuff like I do. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, uh-huh. there's a reason I'm not dead yet. That means I, there's something more <laughs> that I need to go and accomplish in life. Because once I'm done right? accomplishing everything, once I'm done spreading this message, I think that's really where my time to go is. But I don't think it's. I don't think I'm really there yet because uh, I'm still here, you know. <laughs> and I, I think other people should have like that same philosophy. If you're still here, your purpose isn't done yet. You have something that you're meant to do here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the way I look at it is like your survival rate so far to this date is 100. percent So. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like if you have a 100% survival rate, then you got to go and do something because once it gets to zero, it's just over and like you can't change it from there. Right. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather make all kinds of mistakes along the way and get to the end of my life and be like, "Hey, like I had a really good run." Rather than you know, be 70, 80 years old and be like, "Shit, I wish I had done this and that and that other thing." Like, I would just not want to ever be in that boat. Yeah, I mean, what we're going to do now is just hop off to a commercial break. And you can really think about, oh, I'm going to be doing this thing right now and taking action. Or you can just be thinking, I should have, would have, could have, would have done that. And my life should have, could have, would have been great. But it's just good. And it should have, could have, would have been nothing now. So we'll be hopping <laughs> off after this commercial break. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim. And you can find Jeremy at Jer- Jeremy Knopf. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best 
freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on the voice america influencers channel change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim back here with Jeremy Knopf. If you listened to any of the first two segments, you really understood how to overcome adversity, the kind of trials and tribulations that really come with building a business, um, how you could switch from one industry to another, even when it's completely brand new, how to go out there and do some great things in the land of search engine optimization, um, how to even deal with things when you're like struggling and you're dealing with constant pain from like chronic illness. And now what we're really going to be going into is really how to build up that influence. Uh, so Jeremy, what would be like, what, why is it really important to build influence? Like, is this something that's just like a trend? Is it like a fad? Like what, what do you feel that influences today? No, it's definitely not a trend or a fad. It's just, and it, it's something that it's been around forever. The name has just changed several mm-hmm. times. Um, I think more recently, you know, prior to being called influencer marketing, if you want to call it that, you know, we called it thought leadership. Yeah. But it, it, it's essential because it's, it plays a huge role in building your trust and credibility. Um, and it, as you kind of build this up, it tends to become kind of a, like a self-perpetuating situation where once you're on the right track, you tend to get a lot more exposure. Other people will write about you. Other people will talk about you, interview you on their podcasts and radio shows, TV, stuff like that. So once you get this in place, it really can have a profound impact on your business. And then when you're out here, let's say you're talking to a potential client, well, who are they going to hire? The guy who can't, comes in and says, hey, I'm the best, or a guy who comes in and can say, hey, I'm the best and I'm cited in you know, Forbes, an entrepreneur, and all the trade pubs that you read, and 37 other publications. Like, they're going to trust that guy a thousand times more than the guy who nobody's ever heard of. 
So what you kind of touched upon here is two different aspects. One is when you're getting coverage by all these different places, you're getting more exposure and more eyeballs are seeing you. Do you think what what kind of impact do you think that has on your business? I, it has a tremendous impact, and it's for multiple reasons, right? So obviously, it's it's putting you in front of potential potential prospects. Um, you know, I regularly write for various publications. I write for several search engine optimization publications, like Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal. I also write for trade publications for the industry that we're focused on. So my digital marketing agency focuses on the construction industry. So I write for, I think, about half a dozen different publications within the construction industry, speaking specifically about digital marketing tactics and strategies. So what that does is it puts me in front of my target audience. Um, and then as a result, you know, people will reach out to me about doing business with them because they know that I know what I'm talking about because I've basically been vetted through a source that they already trust. So it's got a huge impact in that regard. But then you also have the media component to it. So let's say somebody's looking for experts to interview. Are they going to interview some random person that nobody's ever heard of? Or are they going to reach out and see who everyone else has already been interviewing and who's regularly writing about these various topics and interview that person. That makes a lot of sense. Then the second side of this is really going out there and having the uh, publication say that you're the best. Now, if you're walking into a meeting and there's two different people, you say hands down they're going to pick you over the other person who doesn't have that social proof, right? That uh, backing yeah. of all these publications talking about you. Like, do you think there's any chance in the world where the person who has no uh, influence, no uh, digital presence, do you think there's any chance in the world that person's going to win over you? It can happen from time to time, and that comes down to, you know, personalities and sales skills. But mm -hmm. the odds are usually in the favor of the person who's got, you know, a, a presence through other publications. So you'd say... If you were going head to head with the other person, it gives you maybe like a five times higher advantage, ten times higher advantage. Like, how would you kind of quantify what kind of advantage that gives you? I've never really thought about the statistics behind it, but I'd I'd mm -hmm. say you're probably, you know, I don't know if I had to guess, maybe two, three, four, five times more likely. That's pretty probably awesome. more, it's maybe. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, especially like considering that, like, let's say I'm going on Google and I'm typing in like construction marketer, right? I'm just clicking on the first top 10 sites I see. How am I going to differentiate these 10 people? I mean, they're all really communicating the same message. They're saying the exact same thing. I hop on 10 different phone calls. They're all telling me mm -hmm. the exact same thing. It's like, which one do I really pick? But then when, right. let's say, somehow you get into that mix, too, and I'm seeing you and I see all this credibility, I mean, I, I could see there definitely being a two, three, four, or five times higher probability of me just going, oh, look, it's not them saying they're the best. It's not them saying their systems work like uh, better than everyone else. Um, this Forbes publication is talking about them. This entrepreneur thing is talking about them. They, they might really be the best, right? Right. You know, and... and to go further on that note, you know, a lot of people want to be quoted in, in these, you know, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., things like that. And I definitely think there's a lot of value to that. But most people, that's pretty much 
their main focus when they want to get some kind of exposure. But what they don't mm-hmm. consider is, like, who is my target audience? Where are they looking, right? So in my case, like I mentioned earlier, we target the construction industry. That's why we specifically write in these construction publications. So to my target market, those publications carry even more weight than a much larger publication like Inc., right? So that's a vital component that I think a lot of people don't take the time to do. They don't define a highly focused niche. You know, they're like, oh, well, we'll work with anyone. We're, you know, we'll do, especially in my industry, digital marketing companies, they're like, oh, well, we'll just work with anyone. But if you're working with anyone, then what really separates you from everybody else out there? But if you're focused on, let's say, you know, let's say we work strictly with construction mostly, Mm -hmm. or let's say, you know, I've got a friend who his agency, they mostly focus on companies in the tech industry. So you've got that deeper knowledge that really sets you apart. So that coupled with you're quoted all over the place and, and cited in all of these publications, that really puts you in a different class. Cool. So, um, Cosmo wrote something about me and dating. How, how does that benefit me? <laughs> What's that? Cosmo wrote that something about um, Cosmo wrote about me and um, how to date on in this new social media world. Like the dating <laughs> how does that benefit me? Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe that'll uh, catch the attention of some ladies. Oh, cool. uh, other than that. The, the sons just had me comment on Rihanna and her new uh, rich billionaire boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, you could go out there and you could get media coverage and it could be completely irrelevant to your business and it won't drive any new business to you either. And those are two right. examples of that. So when you really go out there and you're looking at, like, what media coverage should I be getting? What kind of companies should, should I be focusing on? It's like you have to really consider, like, what you do, what's your target niche, and, and things like that. Because, like, for me, um, working in the personal branding field, for me to go out there and do something in Cosmo, I, I don't really think that would actually translate to business in any way. So is it worth doing? Um, probably not. I mean, was, right. was, it, was it fun to do just because I was like, ah, this is actually happening? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> other right. than that, in case, like, yeah. Right. In Go cases on. like that, like if they come to you, certainly, you know, take advantage of it. But as far as any outbound efforts... Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go and try and get covered in something that's not highly relevant. But if they're going to come to me, sure, I'll I'll be covered in damn near anything. Yeah. So that's another thing to really look at, like who's coming to you and who's seeking out your advice. Now, what's your opinion on podcasts? Like, I've been on like hundreds of podcasts, and I don't know if I've seen an ROI from a podcast or not. Like, I'm really not sure, and I don't know how to quantify it. And I've not. I really haven't been able to go, oh, yeah, this is a great use of my time or this is a complete waste of my time, and I really can't <laughs> figure it out. What's your opinion on it? Like, Do you think people should go out there and try to land uh, different podcasts and things? I, I definitely think they should, and you know that comes down to deciding which podcast to go on because there's a pretty wide range, I guess, like anything, right? Like you've got podcasts where they feel kind of random and poorly put together and they don't really share a lot of great information um, compared to podcasts like yours where you're constantly interviewing some of the top people in their, in their fields and you know, you're really sharing a lot of valuable information. So getting on the right podcast can make a huge difference, but it's not something that's 
it's, it, I look at it from a more of a holistic standpoint, right? So it's not like you're going to get on a podcast and land a client as a result of being on there. You might, but it's not very likely. But it plays into the, the broader ecosystem of your personal brand. So if you're a guest on you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 podcasts, that's going to, it's going to paint a certain picture about you. Whereas if you're not, then you know, they'll have a different perception. So by being out there all the time, it kind of creates that snowball effect we talked about where other people then want to interview you and, and talk about you and write about you. So it, it, it plays a holistic role in it that it all kind of works together. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I've been on some podcasts where you can tell someone's just reading like 20 questions straight off and I'm like, okay, I just answered this question. Now you're asking me a completely different question without like commenting on anything I said. Thanks. Were you even right. paying attention to me? It's like, why am I even here? <laughs> <laughs> and now you're sending me 20 emails because you want me to promote this. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> and then there's other people where they just ask like fabulous questions and you're like, wow, this is really entertaining. And I never really thought about that. And I feel like some people really know how to bring out the best in someone. And then, then there's me so, who um, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> right. So you you mentioned you mentioned some that were really good. Like, what were some of the ones that you felt um, that you were a guest on that that you felt really were were deep and provided value? Well, one of the first few podcasts I was on was uh, James Altucher's old podcast. So I think he's still running it, probably. But um, back when he was married to Claudia, like James would like talk about some things, but then like Claudia would ask like the deep, really deep questions that made you think and I was like wow this is pretty good but then um, I see that most of the uh, podcasts I go on kind of follow the same formula and then I'm just talking about the same story over and over and over again to the point where I'm like I don't want to talk about the story anymore <laughs> can we talk about something else, like popcorn or ice cream <laughs> or how popcorn uh-huh. and ice cream taste so great together so I, I don't know like usually if your reputation gets to a certain point like people kind of want to keep following that same storyline it's kind of hard to like break out of that. So, yeah, I can see that. There's that flaw. There's that side of things that hurts. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think so, yeah. If, if somebody's in that situation, like your situation that you're talking about, like what what would you recommend to somebody to kind of break out of that and and get people talking about something new? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I started flaking on a lot of my podcasts, so I have to think about that. Um, <laughs> don't, don't tell the other hosts. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't feel well today. I'm like, I just don't want to do this again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, maybe you just have to create new content in a new direction because people are probably reading the same thing. Maybe you have to redo your sure. bio. Because it seems that everyone's pushing you into a certain box because they're reading something and another thing and another thing that kind of connects together. And they're like, oh, they're not listening to other podcasts to hear that you're saying the same thing. Because what, a podcast like an hour commitment? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty huge commitment to go and talk to someone. Yeah. So... I don't know. That's pretty. That's a pretty good question. What advice would you have? <laughs> Um, you know, it, I guess if it was me, I would look at look at some of the celebrities who have kind of reinvented themselves over the years. Um, one that kind of comes to mind, I guess, is Madonna. She's kind of reinvented herself every few years, right? Um, yeah. Kind of following that approach of, of how she's 
done that, I, I think would be a good way to handle that. I mean, you basically just need to come out of the gate with something totally new and, and get people talking about that and kind of maybe what, what prompted that. So like, I don't know, in your case, you're, so you're working on another book. Um, I have to imagine that book was driven from something, right? Like there was something that motivated that book. What, what would you say that was? Uh, well, Wiley uh, <clears throat> emailed me like a year and a half ago and said, are you working on a book? Then Portfolio, which is part of uh, Portfolio is part of Penguin Random House, they emailed me and said, are you working on a book? And I'm like, I guess I am now. <laughs> 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 then two agents, okay. like two literally two literary agents asked me if I was too, so I'm like, I guess I am. So I put together this proposal, and the first proposal was the art of the personal brand. Then everyone's like, you know what? We don't want to touch that. We don't want to get involved with the personal brand space because we tried making books on this um, topic before, and they just weren't selling. So if you want to do something... So my agent said, okay, you passed on this title. Would you consider them for another title if they were to come up with something else? And then... Most, most of the houses said yes, but usually when you go to the publishing house, you have one shot. And if you don't get it with the one shot, they usually just dismiss you forever. But for some reason, they're like, you know what? We'll, we'll take another look at what they have if they come up with something new. So we took a lot of time to really figure out what we truly knew and what separated us from the rest of the people. Uh, we had to hire an outside consultant to really sit with us and just extract the ideas out of us because, you know, sometimes you just get too close to your own ideas that you can't see them. And, yeah. like, <laughs> that's how we were. And people were saying, oh, I like your content because it's vulnerable, because it's personable. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Like, how do you conceptualize that? And then um, <clears throat> the uh, consultant helped us conceptualize that into a concept called Expose Yourself. So that's why we came up with the book. It wasn't really like, oh, yeah. I had this great idea. I'm going to write a book one day. It wasn't like that. It was more like, I guess all these people say I kind of um, need to write a book. So I'm to write a book. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I, I see a great story in that, right? So, so they approached you about doing this thing, and you've already got a huge personal brand. So you're in, you're in a situation that a lot of people are not in. But even despite that, you still had this challenge to overcome, right? So they came to you and wanted to do this book, and, and they didn't like your idea basically um so then you had to take a different approach than you had ever taken before and come up with this different topic this different title hire consultants kind of totally different scenario different environment than you'd worked in in recent times and now you're kind of rolling out and you're um i think you said you were planning on um launching it like spring next year right yeah spring or summer somewhere around there Okay, so you've basically gone through this very different process than you had been through in a long time, and I think that's that's your story. That's reinventing like what people are saying about you, right there. Like even, Actually, even at that level, people have to do things differently. I, I think even more so at that level, you have to kind of do things because, like, let's say you're a top executive at a company, then you have this new challenge that comes your way, like you need to go and figure it out. And sometimes you do need mm-hmm. to go and hire an outside consultant to do it. And that's why outside consulting firms do exist, like um, Farazi Greenlight, McKinsey & Co., um, all the other ones out there. I mean, they exist for a reason because everyone, even the experts, need that extra advice. Um, we're about to uh, close out on the show right now. We wanted to thank everyone for tuning in today and uh, joining us for Grow Your Influence Tree. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest, Jeremy. If anyone wants to follow us online, 
Of course. If anyone wants to follow Jeremy online, it's uh, Jeremy Knopf at Twitter. And for me, it's at Mr. Leonard Kim. And is there anything else you wanted to say as a closing uh, note, Jeremy? Just go after whatever you want. It's better to, to make a mistake and fail than, you know, a year or two years, whatever down the road, have regrets. Perfect. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.